You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. You can text us, 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay. Tim, how are we doing this morning, buddy? Doing great, man. Happy to happy to be here. Yeah, little, man. Ready uh, to talk a little ball. A little coffee and, and football before uh, playing in the snow. So, exactly. Before y'all get about five inches of snow, right? Yep. No big deal. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the chat's already lit up here. Obviously, we had some big news break this morning across the league. We'll kind of hit on that briefly. I know it's a Packers podcast, but anytime arguably the greatest coach in the history of the game retires or not retires, but I'm sorry, they're, they're going fake news, Clayton, not retires. Whenever he leaves the team he's with, it's going to shake things up across the league for sure. So, uh, with that being said, let's go to the chat real quick. Nick McSwain said, Clayton, how did defenses create one-on-one matchups? Is it based on where they line up at? The only way that you can um, the only way that you can create a specific one-on-one matchup, I mean, obviously you got to do it, you got to do it intentionally and you got to be willing to commit to it. You got three different levels of the defense. You got the defensive front, right? You got the mid-range, and then you've got, of course, the secondary, the deep, the deep third. So essentially think of breaking down the depth of the football field into thirds, deep, mid, and then the line of scrimmage. So it's easy to create one-on-one matchups on the line of scrimmage, at least pre-snap. Now they could always put a chip over there. They could always put, you know, double team you. That's what many people do to Aaron Donald. What we do, let me give you an example of what we do to create isolation plays for people like Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith is we play that four eye. And what I mean by four eye, it's a technique. It basically, from from the defenses, defensive coaches' perspective, they communicate how defensive players are lined up by using what we call defensive line technique. And essentially, think of all of the offensive linemen, right? Start in the middle. The center, if you're lined up right over the center, it's zero. If you're lined up right over the guard, it's two. If you're lined up right over the tackle, it's four. So every position has an even number attached to it. Now, everything in between are odd numbers. So think about it this way. If you're playing nose tackle right over the center, you're zero. In the A gap on each side, so you got zero, A gap would be one, B gap would be three, and C gap would be five. Okay. Now, if you want to take it to a whole other level, they actually also refer to a an eye positioning okay it's inside shoulder you're lining up on their inside eye so they would call that four eye if you're lined up on a tackles inside shoulder four eye if you're lined up on an inside of a guard shoulder it's a two eye so the way that you create oscillation plays on the defensive front with the edge defenders if you're in a 34 it's an outside linebacker if you're in a 43 it's called a defensive end you can call it bunk bed it's still an edge defender that's what coaches around the league refer to it as so if you come out in that four eye with your defensive end on that side, you can isolate what they call a wide nine look, another tech, right? Or even a seven look will create an isolation play. Unless, of course, they've got the running back on that side of the formation and or the tight end too. So 
It's a little bit easier to create an isolation play, a one-on-one matchup, if you will, at the defensive line level. At the linebacker position, really the only way to do it is the same way you would do it in the DB room, and that's, hey, you follow that guy everywhere you go, right? And I don't know of any – I don't know of any defense across the league that actually does that, to be honest with you, where they say, okay, let's uh, let's have this linebacker cover this running back all game long. It usually doesn't work because you're you're trying to mix in so many different fire calls. You're you're trying to mix in different, you know, zone blitz look. You're you might be playing cover one drop. Okay, is that what they'll typically do? Like with us, when we play cover one drop, most of the time we will actually have Devondre Campbell man coverage on the running back and Quay Walker playing that mid zone. And the reason being is because Quay is one of the best spy linebackers in the game. If there's one thing Quay Walker does really, really well, it's sitting back there reading the eyes of the quarterback and just going straight after the quarterback. If he decides to scramble, we had Carly in here. She said, I'm already bored with this conversation. So she, so she left. She'll be back in a minute. I'm sure. But, uh, hopefully that answers your question. Obviously in the secondary, if you want to create a one-on-one matchup, you've got to say, all right, you follow him everywhere he goes. Now, the only way that you can follow him everywhere he goes if you're truly playing man coverage. Now, you right. see in our defense, we tried to do it last week. People think it's just really easy to go, okay, follow him everywhere you go. If that's the case, then as the DB, you're probably not even getting the call most of the time. You're just focused on him and everywhere he goes, right? Now, in my opinion, you're allowing the offense to control what you're trying to do on defense. So throw all the game planning out the window. It's just, hey, everybody cover one guy. So this guy here can cover this guy here. And that's why I'm not a huge fan of it. Does it, it works in the bullseye effect with Bill Belichick. Ironically, we're going to talk about um, Bill Belichick here in a second. His bullseye defense was real simple. They would come out and say, all right, guys, we're going to play, we're going to play man coverage most of the time. When we have a man coverage call, here's the plan. Our number, rather than put your number one corner on their number one receiver, he would do this. This is, this is what won Bill Belichick so many games. He would say, let's take our number two and our number three corner or our number two and our safety and double team their number one. And let's take our number one corner and put it on their number two wide receiver. So when the quarterback, if they've game planned all week, there's there's multifacets to this. If they've game planned all week and they come to the line of scrimmage and go, oh, man, our number one receiver, they don't have their number one corner on our number one receiver. There's my matchup. And then bang, snap, post-snap adjustment, post-snap rotation. They're doubling your number one. Now you look to the two and their number one corners on your two, you're screwed. So that's called bullseye is what they refer to that as. So long-winded answer. Hopefully it answered your question, Nick. I apologize for it taking so long. Carly, how are you doing this morning? I am doing all right. I'm kind of trying a new thing here. So if it Uh-oh. if it's like breaking up or you're hearing too much background noise, I'll just pop, hop off. It's not a big deal. So just let me know. Uh, you sound fine. You sound fine. So we should be good. We will let you know though if we hear something for sure. Um, okay. Ron in the chat says, "Just watch Richard Sherman talking about Jordan to get warmed up for the show. That'll do it, man." Jordan, Richard Sherman, listen, one of the greatest DBs to ever play the game. That's why you don't see me going on there and like dogging him and everything. Like, you know, I understand the battle. I will oh, say we'll, this: we'll remind Richard, him. Yeah, Richard Sherman has made his bed and now he needs to lay in it. And it seems like he's playing this sensitive game here, Tim, where he's kind of like, yeah, I said it. And then when everybody came at him, he's like, well, I mean, I didn't really mean it like that. And then, you know, it's like – and then someone will say something rude and you see the old Sherm come out and he attacks them, right? And then, you know, I just don't – Go watch the tape. You know, we've (laughs) got the – if you want to feel good about yourself, just watch the tape where Devontae Adams retired him. And yeah. uh, you'll you'll feel real good. <laughs> you'll feel real good about old Sherm. A um, lot of respect for that guy in his prime, man. He was a monster yeah, in his prime. Man. But boy, did Devontae Adams cook his behind nasty. And it it was almost tough to watch, man. You, you <laughs> But it is fun. So, you know, if you want to want to feel good about old Richie there, uh, go watch the tape. Yeah. I saw that uh, last night. Somebody posted that. It was great. Yeah. Man, there that you talk about a defense that, you know, throughout time you look at how the game evolves and how the game is very cyclical, and you can pick out and go that right there, that play, that not that play, that formation, that offensive scheme, that defensive scheme that changed the game. You know, one of the things that comes to mind is the West Coast offense. Well, let's go back. John Madden installing the thirty-four defense completely changed everything. Right. Let's fast forward a few years. Um, Bill Walsh, West Coast offense. 
that made defenses play offenses totally different, right? Using the short intermediate passing game to kind of supplement the run, but also supplement teams or uh, uh, put a Band-Aid on teams that don't have a strong-arm quarterback that couldn't stretch the field, right? That's how it evolved actually in Cincinnati when Walsh was there. Um, fast forward a little bit more. Let's go to, you know, uh, Pittsburgh, right? The zone blitz in the 90s. That's something that's still around. It's still popular. That's what we won a Super Bowl with here with Dom Capers. Yep. People caught on to that, right? So what, what took off? Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick and his bullseye defense. Bang, it takes off in his hybrid approach. Um, then you go to the 2010s as well, and it was Seattle. Seattle's defense, I, the reason I'm having a hard time just going on there and slandering everything, oh, well, you wasn't really that good. It was this that you did. I think some people are too young to remember just how good that defense was. The Legion like, of Boom. The Legion of Boom and and that cover three, that cover three buzz. It was, you know exactly what we're going to do every play, and there ain't a damn thing you can do about it. And, and Sherm was as good as they come playing his island. I mean, he was essentially a receiver playing DB and yep. extremely, extremely intelligent player too. And, and you know, we're sitting out here complaining about sometimes our DBs don't want to tackle and this and that. Sherm was not afraid to tackle. Sherm put a face in there. So I, I just – I don't like the approach of going and, and uh, getting in arguments with former NFL greats, you know. Um, especially I'm not going to be the one to poke my head in there and be like, <laughs> you ain't really that good. You wasn't that good. And I'm sitting over here on the couch and never played a snap NFL football in my life. Like I just, you know, but uh, he has definitely made his bed and uh, he was wrong about Jordan and, uh, and wrong about the Packers. And I am enjoying that. That's for sure, man. So uh, yeah, that'll get you fired up though, Ron, right off the bat. There's no doubt about it. Um, sure. We got here. Jeff in the chat says, I don't know about you guys. I don't know about you guys, but I have taken my consumption of Packers news to an entirely new level, LOL. Jeff, it's a, it's a good time of the year, man. When you're still in the playoffs and all this stuff's getting shaken up around the league, man, there's so much to talk about. I mean, we're 11 minutes in. I've answered four questions here in the chat, and we've pretty much talked uh, nothing. You know what I mean? So uh, Donovan said, I'm sorry, what time is his team playing this weekend? <laughs> his team hasn't played for a while, my man, for a while. Um, so anything you guys want to add to that, Carly, you got anything you want to add question, comment, thoughts, you want to run me out of here? Talk to me. <laughs> no, I just was catching the very last as you were talking about the defense creating one-on-one -on -one matchups and I wish I would have been taking notes. Definitely going to have to go back and listen to that again. Cause that's something that it's like, now that I am starting to understand the X's and O's, I'm just realizing how much I don't understand and how much is out there. And it's so fascinating. It's going to be some great study for the off season. Yeah. It's, it's every week I pick up something else. And I'm like, oh, that's changing. You, you guys remember early in the year, the thing that I kind of caught on to was the T lead swing. Everyone was doing it across the league. You don't see people doing it now. Then about halfway through the season, what did we get? We got the double double fake Y release. You remember that? Jordan faked the flat, faked the flat, turn around, hit Musgrave over the middle. Yep. Everybody started doing that. We actually stole it from – it was either San Francisco or Miami we stole it from, I believe. I can't remember which team it was. We stole it from them. People caught on. We ran it one more time after that. And Jordan about got killed. We're like, okay, that's enough of that for right now. So there's always stuff that comes across uh, every NFL season. It's uh, it's cool to kind of see it come and go. So I'm learning stuff every week. I go, oh crap, I didn't. First time I've noticed that. So it's a, it's a lot of fun, man. When you when you really learn where to look, that's you notice the people with the hot takes, the people that's just ah oh, fire Joe Barry. Well, this defense is just bad. This just you know all these hot takes, right? It, listen, anybody can tell you this defense has been bad. Right. And when it's just like it, it's this this common knowledge that everyone should know and agree with me that let's just agree on the blank, the blanket statement of here's how things are. And if you don't agree with me, you're stupid. Ask them one or two detailed questions and watch them completely fumble over the words, completely fumble over the words. And it's not to try to show people up. The best thing to do is hit mute and block. Some of the people that I respected so much last year, they are they've got the old mute slapped on them this year because I just can't handle it, man. You've we've got a limited amount of time to consume knowledge every day when it comes to football. I'm not gonna waste my time consuming knowledge from someone who's just a hot take machine. It's just I'm not gonna do it. It's you're gonna look up at the end of the year and go, I didn't learn a damn thing. <laughs> and I refuse to be like that. So uh 
I got I got so much more to learn as we go along. Let's see, we got Jacob in the house now. Jacob, how you doing, bub? What's going on, everybody? A little sleepy. What's up? The Donald beard is here. <laughs> Who's that? Oh, Carly. What's up, Carly? <clears throat> so, with that being said, the big news of the morning, Bill Belichick. Okay. Bill Belichick, obviously, they're going to do a press conference at noon today. He's going to part ways. Again, he's not a he has nothing to do with the Packers, but anytime, you know, a top three, if not the greatest coach in the history of the game uh changes teams, it shakes things up, right? I wanted to briefly mention these coaches across the league. Okay. These are the coaches that are available. And according to CBS, it's this is their available head coaching rankings, okay? The head coaching candidates. Bill Belichick. Ben Johnson of Detroit. Why am I mentioning this? This is the main reason I want to mention was because this could shake things up in the North. So um, their OC in Detroit, one of the top candidates, if not the top candidates. Uh, Jim Harbaugh from the University of Michigan. Brian Johnson from the Philadelphia Eagles. He's the OC there. The DC of the Dallas Cowboys, Dan Quinn. That would shake things up, right? Um, Lou Anarumo, I think I'm saying that right. He is the defensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Bobby Slowick. He is the offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans. Gerard Mayo is the inside linebacker coach. I laugh at that because they've Bill was ready to promote him the second someone tried to pluck him away. That's why he's still inside linebackers coach, but he is definitely a head coaching candidate. Uh, so he's the inside linebackers coach in New England. Still, some people believe he's the front runner for that New England job. Brian Flores, former assistant to Bill Belichick, now the defensive coordinator for the Vikings. He's listed as the ninth best. Um, candidates. So there's a chance that the Minnesota Vikings could lose their D.C. These things matter. Eric Bieniemy, the O.C. for Washington, he's been up for a head coaching job what feels like two decades. I've heard he interviews really, really bad. You've seen him and Mahomes get into it. Obviously, they parted ways. He goes to Washington, and I didn't see that team improve very well myself. So Mike, Mike Vrabel's one. Another one I want to mention, and then we'll go around the horn if you guys got anything to add, is uh, Evero in Carolina, okay? Um, that's his current his current position is D.C., and from what I understand, um, I think – I can't remember if they let him go or something. There's there somebody the other day that was saying that I think they get to interview with him first, so they're kind of holding up interviews for Evero, they being the Carolina Panthers. I'm not 100% sure, but he's definitely been mentioned. Shane Waldron in Seattle, he comes from that Shanahan tree as well. So let's go around the horn one time. Tim, you got anything you want to add to that, man, as far as uh, Bill Belichick or just the coaching carousel uh, just overall? Um, no, just um, I guess right here we can go with Jake Shavink. This is crazy. Pete Carroll, Nick Saban, Belichick, all in 24 hours. So true, Jake. What a what a crazy uh, crazy carousel it will be. This time of year is always interesting. Um, I think it's I don't know, man. It, it'll be interesting to see how all this plays out. I think anything right now is just pure speculation. But um, you know, we're going to start to see um, what is the. Uh, What's the rule on as far as uh, the negotiations and stuff? Isn't there a date uh, later this month or something they have to wait before they can actually do anything officially, like conducting interviews and that kind of stuff? Uh, no, it, you. The way it works is there is kind of peck, kind of a pecking order, and teams have to grant permission for interviews to take place. Now there are some very strict rules in place that you cannot block a ladder, or you can you cannot block a uh, promotion, meaning if another team comes in and says, hey, we want to interview your quarterback coach for our OC job or our passing game coordinator job, then, okay, they can't block that, right? Now, as far as the teams that are still in the hunt, they can block it, you know, the, the guys that are still in the playoffs. Um, there's a lot of different rules that come into effect there. So it's, it's kind of a broad question, Tim, but as far as a dead – like, let me give you an example. This may answer your question a little bit better way. Mike Vrabel in Tennessee – you know, they caught a little bit of hell because they could have traded Vrabel. You can trade a coach. People don't understand that. But in order to trade the coach, you got to find a trade partner. And Tennessee decided we're just going to fire him. That way they can jump in line quicker to start interviewing for a head coaching job. If they were going to wait and trade him, they were kind of hemmed up and couldn't get those interviews started, if that makes sense. So with that yeah. being said, uh, Vrabel is a free agent, right? They cut him, they fired him, whatever. He, he can go. He can interview with anybody right now across the board, but these other teams that technically have rights to these coaches, a little bit different story. That answer your question, Tim? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. Jacob, what you got, buddy? I mean, I was actually going to bring up Rabel. Um, some people may know I lived in Tennessee for a number of years, and I got a lot of buddies still there, and they are absolutely mad as all hell that they let go of Rabel. Um, I mean, if you think about it, that that's kind of a similar situation that, 
Packers could have been in this year. Um, Vrabel's not too far away from leading a playoff team with a very younger team, especially that quarterback. Um, you know, we saw what happened when they threw Levis in there and uh, the carousel that's been there the last couple of years with their early draft picks and that kind of stuff. I mean, he's a defensive-minded guy. I would not mind at all. Um, he seems like kind of a player's guy. People like playing for him. I don't know how him and Matt LaFleur would, would if they would end up um, getting along in any way or if Rabel would want to take, a, you know, a, basically a demotion and step back down to just being a D.C., but I would – I honestly would love it. And like I said, I got buddies. I, I got a ton of text messages throughout the last couple of days being like, I can't believe that the Titans just quote unquote tightened up again, which to them means loose and uh, they're a little loose. You know what I mean, that's a great point because he deserves a lot of credit for turning, turning them around. That franchise around in like three, two, three seasons. And then they're just like, all right, well, you know, well, then they got to deal with the fact that Derek Henry has probably played his last football. Exactly. You know, there as well. That doesn't, he that doesn't help. He said goodbye to the plumber, dude. He said goodbye to everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so here's my take on the whole Rabel thing. Um, Carly, you got anything you want to add before I give a, a way too long-winded response? <laughs> um, it's a, it's about a different, it's about a different coach or okay, coordinator. So you can go ahead with that. So with Rabel, two things. The first one, it's the perfect. It's the perfect case study for you've got a head coach and a front office that are not on the same page. He wanted to keep um, God, the uh, AJ Brown, the wide receiver, and he basically said, "As long as I'm the coach, you're not trading AJ Brown." They traded him on draft night. You can see his reaction in the draft room. That went totally under the rug forever. I watched it that night. And went, oh, there's trouble in paradise. Now, when you look at his win loss record, though. If you were to remove the name Mike Vrabel, this is what I challenge everybody to do. Remove the name Mike Vrabel and say, here's his resume. Do you still want him as your DC? We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Because check this out. I ran the numbers. I went and looked and I'm like, okay. First thing I thought is former Patriot, hard-nosed dude, players love him. Man, this might be a good fit. I put seeing a lot of Packer fans uh, wanting Mike Rabel. Quick comparison. Joe Barry's defense last year gave up 17 fewer points, 351 fewer passing yards, forced five more turnovers, and produced the same number of sacks, 45, and had two more pressures than Mike Rabel's defense last year. Immediately, I knew they were going to come flooding in, bait the trolls sometime. Well, I'm talking about him as a D.C. Glad you asked. Went back to Houston. The year that he got the head coaching job, his last year's DC in Houston, he their team went four and twelve. He was thirty second. He was dead last in the league in points allowed, and he was twentieth in total yards. So he goes to Tennessee, has success early, and I think we would all agree the last two years they've kind of hit the crapper, right? And Joe Barry's defense was better last year, this year I should say, than Mike Vrabel's defense this year. So. 
after looking at that, I went, damn, I'd love to see him on the sideline. He just he's the guy you want to take to a bar fight, but there's yeah. probably better candidates out there. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of my take on Brable. If they hired him, would I be upset? No, because I could see him being kind of the competitor he is and going, all right, I'm let's get this coaching thing back on track, right? Did you but, by uh, chance did you by chance take a peek at the team's PFF grades during those years to cross-reference to see if he was playing with a bunch of just booty? Because I was looking see, at that's the thing. That, that's the thing that bothers me because people immediately you go. This is a result business, right? It's a result-driven business. They go, well, he had less talent in Tennessee. We go back to Houston. Well, he had less talent in Houston. What? How many? How many excuses are we going to make? Like, you know what I'm saying? It it really does. It just, he, must, he must be the unluckiest coach in the history of the game. That's all I got to say. I, I almost am starting to side with Andreas there in the chat where he says, I'd rather keep Barry than starting all over again because like we've talked about, starting over is not a guarantee, dude. If anything, you're guaranteeing it's going to take another two and a half years before you start seeing results that you kind of like. Right. And, and again, there's the candidates out there that I would go, yep. Like the Wink Martindale is fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. And, and I put a tweet out this morning and people completely misunderstood what I was saying. Bill Belichick is absolutely in love with the Giants organization. He, you, I just posted a video on Twitter. You can see him getting emotional. That's his dream job. Way more than New England ever was. He hates the Jets organization. He was going to take a job there. Um, he backed out last second, slapped him across the face, and went to the Patriots. I absolutely love it. But um, with the Giants, he he loves the Mara family. They respect the heck out of him. And I was like, think about this. Think of the timeline. Remember back in the season – Dan Orlovsky said, I'm already hearing that there's a deal in place that that he's already if if he does leave New England, he already knows where he's going. The first thing it triggered was Giants. Hmm. That's what I thought in my mind. Giants. Now, what happened this past week? Wink Martindale storms out of the facility and goes to the keys and says, the heck with you. I'm going to take my beer belly down here and hang out on a jet ski or whatever he's doing. Right. So he storms out. Why did he storm out? What conversation took place? Because Brian Dayball is the head coach, right? Did they did they go to him and say, hey, we're thinking about bringing someone else in here and we want to keep you on the staff? And he said, to hell with that. So just play devil's advocate for a minute. This is like a 2% chance of being true. I just This is how my mind's firing up. What if they made an agreement and said, Belichick, we're going to bring you in? Immediately people go, well, what about Dayball? What about Dayball? To me, he's in the same boat as Brable. Did he have success this year? <laughs> I don't think so. Not so really. so immediately you think, what if – and here's the thing, too. Who did Dayball come up through the coaching ranks with? Who did he coach under? Bill Belichick. So what if Bill Belichick took the head coaching job at the Giants? He, he made Brian Dayball his OC, and when they heard about that, you know what Belichick's going to do? Anyone who doesn't stay at New England, they're coming with Bill, right? If that happens, then guess who's out of a job or who's getting demoted? Wayne Martindale. Or maybe they just told him we're going to have to change things up and do the way Bill wants to do, and he storms out. Strictly speculation. I'm just saying that was kind of in the back of my mind. Like, Would you consider it a conspiracy theory? We could. We could. We could hit that real quick. Wait, wait, we should probably save it. Okay, we'll save it then, Jacob. There you go. Um, There's a little hint for later in the show. The, The other thing, too, is people immediately said, you really think he wants Daniel Jones? Guys, We've got to stop with the there's nothing you can do about the salary cap. Look what's happening with Russell Wilson. Like they literally just signed him to what everyone thought was a lifetime contract. And then in midseason, they said, if you don't adjust your contract, you're out of here. And he said, I ain't adjusting my contract. They said, okay, cool, we'll cut you. And that's kind of on the books. That's an option right now. If that can happen to Russell Wilson, do you think it can happen to Daniel Jones? Like, you know what I mean? That that blows my mind. Everybody is so set in. This is how the cap is. And then when things change and it doesn't match up with what their opinion is, they go quiet and move on to the next salary cap fire alarm. So anyway, uh, Carly, you had something a second ago. You said it wasn't kind of on topic. What were you wanting to talk about? Well, you just said that uh, I'm going to clarify that Dan Quinn is kind of one of those head coaching candidates, but he's currently the D.C. for Dallas. Mm hmm. Correct. So if we go down there on Sunday and we slaughter him, you still think he's going to be a head coaching candidate? I'll tell you this. uh, Things change, don't they? And they change quick. But ask Mike Brable, right? (laughs) (laughs) He went from, I think, coach of the year, his first year in Tennessee, I believe, to uh, all of a sudden out of a job, right? Um, That's I think that's a good point. 
if we if we were to go down there and drop a 30 burger on them and somehow some way pull out that win does one game decide someone's hit someone's future i don't think so but it's going to drop him down those power rankings, right? Um, many people are linking him to Seattle. A lot of people don't know. We were just talking about the Legion of Boom, right? Legion of Boom and Richard Sherman running his mouth and all that. Guess who was the DC for the Legion of Boom? It was Dan Quinn. So um, what's what's great about Dan Quinn's resume, he took that to Atlanta, took his team to the Super Bowl, right, if I remember correctly. He was the head coach when they went to the Super Bowl. That's when LaFleur was the quarterback's coach, Shanahan was the OC, and then – he goes from there with that Legion of Boom, goes to Dallas, and what do they do? They completely reinvented themselves, and they play the majority man coverage now. So he went from being known as the cover three goon. All he can do is play cover three. Any D.C. can call that. Now he's in Dallas dominating with man coverage. So, um, it, you know, things can change real quick, Carly. I think you drop a 30-burger on him. He drops down the rankings a little bit. People will be going, hmm, maybe he's getting exposed, especially with us talking about they've only really had three quality wins this year. But – uh it's going to take that type of performance. If he, if he holds them to 20 points or less, I think he's still a top candidate. That's a great question, though. That's good stuff. Um, Hardy the Prophet says, first super chat ever. Hey, fellas, is the feeling on the matchup of Tom versus – what is the feeling on the matchup of Tom versus Parsons? Um, the dragon to send the Packer talk here, guys. I think we need to do it. Y'all got anything you want to add to this conversation? I love it. Thank you for the super chat, Hardy. Anything else y'all want to add? No? All right. No, let's go. So, yeah, so we talked about it a little bit last night, the feeling of Tom versus Parsons. Immediately, I think, okay, Parsons has the uh, – he's got the advantage, right? There's no two ways about it. Anyone who thinks that that Zach Tom is a better offensive lineman than Micah Parsons is a pass rusher, I don't think they're following the Cowboys close enough. But here's the thing about Parsons. They move him around so much. You know, last year he played stack backer and they would fire him on Will and Sam's occasionally. This year he's pretty much been a pass rusher, but they can move him around anywhere. There's been times that I've seen him line up in a three tech. He's blitzing from the three and I'm going, what What are they doing? Sure enough, he either draws a holder or he gets to the quarterback. This dude's a monster. He's He is doing things that only Lawrence Taylor has done in the history of the game. Um, so how do I feel about that matchup? If you were to tell me, they're going to line him up 100% of the time on Zach Tom. I don't like our shot there. You know, I, I like him better on Zach Tom than anyone else. I'll say that. But Micah Parsons seems to be, and it's still early, a generational talent. He really does. And I, I'm not ready to say that Zach Tom is a generational talent yet. You know, but uh, let's go around the horn with that. Tim, what do you think? And thank you for the super chat, Hardy. We appreciate you, buddy. Um, I feel like uh, it's going to be, um, you know, offensive protection by committee. I think we're going to see some chips. I think we're going to see our tight ends involved. Uh, I think you're going to have to, and that's not a knock on Zach Tom at all. Zach Tom is uh, doing a great job um, as a young player and, and continuing to get better. Uh, I think we would agree he's gotten better every year. Um, but yeah, Micah Parsons is, um, he's a freak, man. And uh, you, you can't go one-on-one -on -one with him all day long. You can't, you know, you're going to get isolated. You you know, Zach Tom's going to have to deal with him. Heck, Sheed Walker might have to deal with him, depending on where they, they move him around sometimes. Um, but I definitely think we need to use our backs and our tight ends to give a little bit of help here, especially in the uh, the passing game. Yeah, for sure. I just want to pull this up real quick. Micah Parsons, 92.7 PFF grade, second best edge defender in the league. Zach Tom, 77.8. And he is the uh, 14th best tackle. I think he's the third best right tackle, if I remember correctly. So, again, Hardy, thank you for the uh, super chat. Go ahead, Jacob. What do you got on this, buddy? Yeah, I mean, when you see it on paper like that, not only you got to worry about Parsons, but also Lawrence. So, depending exactly. on what they start doing with Parsons, they start moving him around like a chess, you know, puzzle piece there. We got to worry about that other freak in nature. Then you look at the linebacker that's the 12th ranked overall. And then you got Bland on one side and uh, their other uh, corner, who's I'm losing his. Uh, what's his face but i mean that defense is good stacked on paper there so yeah <clears throat> like tim said i see us doing a lot of 12 personnel a lot of chip blocking a lot of doubles a lot of short intermediate passes a lot of screens yeah but, get that ball out quick yeah um because i feel like if jordan love starts doing those deep dropbacks and starts padding that ball um with those cornerbacks playing well i mean i like 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 yeah man like tim just said get it out quick quick slants i don't know i'm just I'm a little nervous now looking at that. I'm not going to lie. I haven't allowed myself to get um, intimidated by Dallas whatsoever. 
and I got a lot of buddies around here. So too many buddies that like Dallas Cowboys around uh, in the Packers land here, but they're all freaking out. They all think that this is going to be another, you know, Aaron Rodgers drops back, hits, uh, God, who was it? Was it Rodgers on the sideline there? Or who was the tight end? No, that was, uh, he was only there for like a season. Who was it? You guys remember who I'm trying to say? Jared Cook. Jared Cook, yep. Never understood. The journeyman that. tight end, yep. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. But man, that was a hell of a play. <laughs> but uh, when you were talking about that too, the the thing that they do well, in my opinion, is they hit home with four rushers. When you hit home with four rushers, that allows them to play middle field close, cover one drop. So you're playing outside leverage, funneling everything to the middle towards the safety and whichever linebacker you've got playing that drop zone. So if you get after the quarterback with a four man rush. And the only option is to dink and dunk underneath. But, oh, by the way, you've got a drop playing right there in that spot. It makes you – it almost forces you to go trips, right? So you can hit the first window of the number one receiver on a drive play or even a snag look, something like that. But the big thing that stood out to me, the only way I think you – not the only way, the main way you need to attack this defense is against zone run, they're 20th in EPA. So let's run the ball down their freaking throat until they show they can stop it. When they start adding someone else into the box and, and give us a little leverage exa- uh, leverage um, uh, advantage, then you can start taking your shots. Then you can start working down the field. That's kind of how I'm seeing it on the surface. That's a very, very blanket way of explaining it. But, uh, Carly, what did you think about uh, the Super Chat there, uh, talking about the matchup between Tom and Parsons? I don't really have anything new as far as Tom and Parsons goes because you guys know way more than me, but I did want to ask a question. Can you explain a little bit like what do you mean by zone run as opposed to any other kind of run? Because I admit I do not understand what that means. Yeah, absolutely. So with zone run, you're you're it's exactly what it sounds like. You're blocking an area. A lot of people don't know this, but the first person to the best of my knowledge to implement zone blocking was actually Vince Lombardi with the New York Giants as their OC. And it, 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 to the point that you heard uh, Gifford and those guys that were, I mean, just absolute studs in that locker room on that offense for the New York Giants back in the day, they rolled their eyes like, what the hell is he talking about? With gap, you've kind of got a guy, right? You got, okay, you're responsible for this gap. You're blocking this gap. You're blocking this guy. With zone, it's I don't care what the defense is doing. We're blocking this way, this way. And that's kind of how we this offense has evolved over the years. Lombardi implemented it right with his uh, with his power sweep and just zone in general, right? Zone blocking in general. You fast forward, you had the West Coast offense took off in the '80s and the early '90s, right? As it's, I mean, just propelling as as the top offense in the league. Mike Shanahan comes in and says, "You know what we should do? We should take what they're doing over there. Alex Gibbs is using zone blocking." Because they at the time they had gap blocking set up and married up with the West Coast offense. They said, what if we married up uh, uh, Alex Gibbs' zone blocking to our West Coast offense? That's your Denver Broncos. That's why the Green Bay Packers don't have another Super Bowl, <laughs> because they dominated that year. Terrell Davis, right, with the zone and then boot, boot action off of it. That, that's what evolved as what we refer to as the Shanahan you know, system wide zone boot. Here's a really cool story real quick. Mike Shanahan basically creates the wide zone boot in Denver. His son, Kyle on the sideline, obviously watching his dad, he is the poster child for it from Kyle. Now has come all these great coaches, right? The, uh, the youngest coach in the history of the game to win a Super Bowl and McVay, obviously Matt LaFleur. Guess, guess who another one is, you know, the coach in Miami, right? Mike McDaniel. Guess how he got introduced to Kyle Shanahan and how he got his coaching start. He was the ball boy for the Denver Broncos when Mike Shanahan was implementing Alex Gibbs' zone blocking and marrying it up to the West Coast offense and more specifically the wide zone boot. Now he's had a bunch of success in Miami. That's how this thing is completely evolved. But zone blocking, Carly, to answer your question, Kyle, I've got the longest damn answers. i got to get better. <laughs> is blocking to an area? as opposed to an assignment on a guy. And it's now listen in the coaching room, they may go, all right, this is zone left. Now look, here's who you're looking for. If this guy does this, you pin him back. If this guy does this, you get to the next level. That's where the, the waters get really, really muddied between duo. What we refer to as duo and zone blocking because duo 
is vertical power. You're not changing gaps. You're getting to the next level. You're trying to maximize duo. Duo, obviously, meaning two, double team at the point of attack, getting to the next level. You see some of that in zone blocking. And that's why there's a lot of people that have uh, really funny debates. They'll post a run play on Twitter and they'll go, Zuo or Dome, or I'm sorry, duo or zone. And it is <laughs> hilarious. If you see that, go jump in the comments because there ain't two people that agree on one position on either of those play calls. So. Yeah, he not only rambled, but he rumbled and stumbled. <laughs> Perfect placement right there, Tim. Great job. Carly, did that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, it did. And so it makes me think that the best way to to handle, I guess, that, that matchup, whatever, is to try and just make it a non-issue. Like get Aaron Jones the ball, bl- block correctly. He's going to squirt through those holes. And then once we start really – beating them with that then set up some quick some stuff where like Micah Parsons they're probably going to think that we're going to be double teaming him or and then expect to bring pressure from like another way to kind of surprise Jordan mm-hmm. with the sack so let's try and have a lot of plays that don't take long to develop um, which I know is hard if they're guarding that middle of the field really well but you know if we can get the ball out in under two seconds and we have great yak players players that can make people yes. miss and let's um, I'm just I'm totally blanking on his name but um, the new the, the guy that just jumped out and has been like, who should have had a touchdown in the last game? Bo Melton. Bo Melton. Yeah, Bo Melton. Like, let's get him the ball. Let's just get him to run through some guys. And oh, Carly, think, still, you're still sore over that that touchdown that got overturned, aren't you? Oh, I'm so pissed. Yeah. <laughs> I see it in the chat last week. I was rolling. I was like, Carly's mad, boy. She's mad over that. I love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, now that's that's all good good points there. And, and when you look at their their defense one more time here, right? We were supposed to be talking about their offense today, but hey, look, we got plenty of time to cover the defense too. We talked about their, you know, whatever it is, 20th and EPA against zone run, right? So if you're going to be running zone, now you go, all right, what personnel do you run it out of? Guys, they play dime. They they determine what they play on defense. They're in dime 71% of the time. That's most in the league. Their EPA drops to 14 from a three in nickel and a five in base, but if they're in dime the majority of the time, if someone's in dime, run them out of dime. Run their rear ends out of dime, right? Okay, they're, they're a little bit weak against zone run. Let's run zone heavy. Now you go, okay, Clayton, that's easier said than done. Where do you run zone heavy? If we want to run them out of dime, you better stay in 11 to trigger their dime. My guess is when you go base, they go heavy nickel, and if that's the case, if you want to keep them in dime and run the ball against them, then you better stay in 11 personnel. Where's the weak spot on their defensive front here when you go to 11 personnel? It's tough. For me, it would be the left side because if Demarcus Lawrence does slide inside, and that's where the defense can kind of dictate where they put him, if he does slide inside like PFF is suggesting here in a nickel situation, he kind of becomes that interior pass rusher, then you would think stretch left, wide zone left, inside zone left would be your attack point right there. Right now, when you if you were to be able to force them, people see this and they and we looked at it yesterday and go, man, their nose tackle sucks. He's hot booty cheeks. Right. Yeah, that's true. But then you've got to go back. If he's not on the field, that doesn't matter. So if you go back to their defensive identity, how often are they in base? Three percent of the time, 31st in the league. So they're hardly ever in base. They're going to go heavy nickel on you. So when they go nickel, you're going to look for Lawrence in the middle, according to PFF. So hopefully that makes sense. But I would say run a lot of zone left, boot action right off of it. The other thing, too, that that um, a lot of man coverage is weak or uh, very vulnerable to, play action screen. Play action, pull the backers up, get the nickel kind of cheating into the run fit a bit, and then pop the halfback screen over them. Smoke screens, if they decide to play soft, smoke screens. If they decide to play bump and run, you may have to hit the gambling table and take some shots uh, down the uh, down the sidelines. Yeah. Go back to last year, how did we beat them? That deep shot to scoot, right, Tim? Yep. So I feel like we'll see a little mesh too if they're going to be in man. Absolutely, mesh is a great man beater. Yep, no doubt about it. Double crosser. I like double crosser because especially they're in single high a lot. They're in middle field close. Double crosser. Read the safety. Imagine this. Imagine you've got eleven personnel, whether it's Musgrave or Kraft underneath in the tight end position. Okay, little chip and go, little chip and release. Give a little angle, whatever you want to do to to give Jordan. A, uh, a little bit of an out there. You run double cross, right? Double crosser to isolate, elimination isolation, right? To isolate the free safety. Once the safety declares, here's the one I'm going with, you've got a deep shot opportunity at the opposite crosser, and you can have an underneath route, two underneath routes with the chip, and you can even go play action stretch and run a little shoot 
uh, a little shoot with uh, Aaron Jones. Maybe you can get someone to rub on the linebacker on the way out and free up that shoot play there too. There's ways you can beat it, but I'm just telling you right now, man, that defense is uh, that defense is stout, ladies and gentlemen. Bland, they confirmed last night. I think it was Jake Shavink confirmed for us in the chat. Five pick sixes this year. He's the second highest graded corner in the league. And Diggs is out for the year. Um, Stephon Gilmore, the opposite side, former defensive player of the year with New England. Not the same player. I get it. Still savvy. Still understands how to play man coverage. 24th highest graded corner in the, in the game. They've arguably got the best cornerback tandem in the league, and they're missing one of, if not their best corners in Diggs, who's out. So um, anything else y'all want to add to that conversation there, Tim? Let's go around the horn one time. Um, yeah. <clears throat> That's what I want to add to that. <laughs> Bring it, boys and girls. We, you know, like we always say, we're not going to let anyone beat us on reputation. You know, go out there and challenge them. Uh, yep. That's the same attitude I, that I had going into that Chicago Bears game where we, we heard all about how great their run defense is and we ran the ball all over them all day. So I think we got to have that same mentality. You want to respect your opponent. You want to be well-versed and, and do your research. But, um, you know, I don't think any of these guys are going to be intimidated. I think we're going to take it right to them. Yeah, and Jake Shabink in the chat says, listen, guys, forget the forget the election coming up. America's favorite question, inside zone or duo? Right? <laughs> um, we've got a video. What you just said, Tim, nobody's expecting us to win this game. Nobody's expecting right. us to compete. Packers.com put a really cool video out. Um, I just labeled it underdogs. They set the players down and just talked to them about being underdogs. It blew up on Twitter yesterday. I don't know, probably – I guess it was early in the day yesterday. Phenomenal video. Let's hit it real quick. Again, this comes from – Packers.com, go find the video on their Twitter page, give it a retweet, all that good stuff. Uh, find it on YouTube, give it a like, make sure we show them some love. Really cool video they put together. Let's check it out. Gotta ask, what do you say to those people telling the Packers? The underdog mentality, I feel like a lot of people are trying to count us out. Hmm. Coming in, I'm hearing guys saying that uh, people thinking that we're a young team. The expectations of what we need to do as an organization hasn't changed. We're young, but we're hungry. We got playmakers, we got the weapons. We'll be ready when time comes. We, we like having that narrative out there so we can shock people. It's yes! Touchdown! You gotta earn everything, and the Packers are earning it. Right side, Keyshawn, Keyshawn I think anytime you go through something tough, you're usually better for it. Hopefully we're a better and more battle-tested team. He throws. Got yes. it, Touchdown! Yes. Looks at her. Wait, did he sack? Carl Brooks. Well, the youngest team in the NFL isn't going anywhere. Hand off to Showtime, cutting it back. Big hole. Shake the defender. Stiff arms his way. Showtime was putting on a show with that run. I'm used to being an underdog. When you prove people wrong, it's one of the best feelings in the world. Woo. Jacob, I know you sent that over to me too, man. Awesome video. Uh, what do you think watching that? Make you want to run through a wall? Yeah, I'm getting pretty jacked up. I already drank too much coffee, so I'm getting, <laughs> getting a little zoot right now, man. But, uh, yeah, I, I just going back real quick to what we were just talking about too. I mean, I, I hope that we can – do you see <clears throat> trying to uh, take advantage of some of that, that man coverage, Romeo Dobbs? A little comeback back shoulder route like we've seen uh, from Aaron Jones or Aaron Rodgers to, to Jordy over the years, how they put oh, yeah. that. I'd really like to see them start utilizing that a little more. And then real quick, just to put a cap on it, I really would love to see us use Quay Walker like they use Parsons because it seems like the more that we've started to let Quay Walker come up to the line of scrimmage, start mm -hmm. shooting some of those gaps and doing some of the off-edge stuff, I don't know about you guys, but I like what I see. The guy is a freak of nature, and he seems like he can, uh, you know, coming out of college, his whole thing was he wraps guys up. He's not very prone to missing tackles, and I'd like to see him utilized a little more that way. Yeah, no, and it's that's the the age hotel with the Packers, though, Jacob. You draft a guy who everyone had him on the scouting. The reason no one expected him to be drafted so high is because he's more of a Sam backer. That's what he's good at. He's going to be good at, yes, he can drop into coverage and play a little fire zone, but getting after the quarterback. But what does Green Bay always do? And I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy here, but go back to Demarius Randall, HaHa Clinton Dix, all these players, right? Ahmad Carroll, everyone. You you try to fit a square peg into a round hole. That's been the the age old tell when it comes with uh, this this Packers front office. They're going to go no. Look, we draft this guy because he's got a high athletic score. He's got all the talent in the world. Now let's turn him into this. 
there's no doubt in my mind Quay could be a great Micah Parsons top player. Remember, Dallas did the same thing with Micah. They played him in coverage, and they went, this guy's way too valuable. We need to have him rushing the quarterback. The Packers are doing that more. You can do that You can do that with a little touch spy. You can do that with a green dog blitz. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's the issue, too, though, is the explosive plays you gave up last week. Everyone likes to sit up on their high horse and go, we're playing too soft, and this cover three is what's getting us beat. BS. Look at the explosive plays last week, guys. The explosive play came from man coverage. So when you're when you're playing man coverage, yes, you can fire a green dog blitz, meaning the the backer Quay in this example is man coverage on the running back. And if the running back stays in the block, then just blitz, right? You're vulnerable to them leaking, right? Or a screen, even things like that. But um, it, it's 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 basically the tell of two tales here. What do you want to do? Do you want to play bend but don't break, or do you want to be aggressive? If you're going to be aggressive. The two explosive plays that we gave up last week, the big ones like the 32-yarder and the 26-yarder, came in man coverage. You're going to give up explosive plays, right? And we all know that when you hit on an explosive play, there's it triples your chances of scoring on that drive. But with Quay, I'm 100% on board with you, Jacob. I would I would much rather see him play Sam, strong side backer on the line of scrimmage, rather than show your 34 jam front. But keep in mind when you do this, you've got to take someone else out of the equation, right? You you gotta, you know, you could you could say, hey, let's just use him as a pass rusher. Who are you taking off the field? You know, Preston Smith or Rashawn Gary. Well, if you decide to fire him strictly as a Sam backer and let him blitz from the linebacker position, now you're down one in the secondary, therefore making you more vulnerable to explosive plays in the passing game. We just showed you Joe Barry's uh defense this year, right? They got better in every statistical category. A lot of people that's going under the under the radar. Um, passing yards is the one thing that went up this year because we're playing more man coverage. So, um, I don't know. It's a, go ahead. Go ahead, Carly. I just want to clarify something with the um, giving up explosive plays. Wasn't one of those explosive plays given up on man coverage when? Oh, you cut out right when you asked it. It wasn't even something that was like, I mean, it was a mental error. It wasn't the scheme issue. Carly, I'm so sorry. You you literally cut out right when you asked the question. You guys didn't sorry, get that Sorry, was I breaking right. up? Yeah. Okay, try it now. All right, sorry, can you hear me better? Yes, yes, absolutely. Thank you. Okay, I'm not sure what um, all you heard, but wasn't one of those explosive plays given up when we were in man also because Jair made a mental error and tried to pass it off, and so it wasn't even the scheme really being an issue. That had, had he stuck tight to it and known it was man, he probably wouldn't have gotten uh, messed that up and wouldn't have gotten that explosive play. Yeah, it's a very, very fair point. Very fair point. Um those I'm trying to think now the explosives. I don't have my notes in front of me. Actually, I do. These I really are- like that assessment by Carly Ray because that's that's how I looked at it. I don't think it was Ja consciously saying, "Hey, I'm going to do whatever I want." I think it was a communication breakdown there, and he was thinking mm-hmm. they were in you know quarters or whatever they whatever they were doing. He wasn't on the same page. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, so you had the DJ Moore 33 yarder. You had the there was another one too. Um, you had you have one that was in zone where Preston missed the sack, right? Um, and he extended the play. That was the Cole commit. Yeah, the the play to DJ Moore, it was because Jair didn't follow. You're exactly right. So if if Jair follows in that case, we broke it down on chalk talk. It probably would have been about a 12 yard gain. That wouldn't have been an explosive. So you make a really good point, Carly. Very good point. So uh, we were talking about that. We were going if he follows him, he ends up here. Justin Fields may, maybe even doesn't go with, to him with the ball, but the fact that he didn't follow. And that's why it's so important, man, that players play the scheme that's called. That's exactly what Quay Walker was talking about, right? That's exactly what Preston Smith has been hitting at. Kenny Clark's been hitting at. Like, hey, look, Joe Barry's calling good plays. We need to run the play that's called. I don't know, man. There's only one guy in the locker room who's been suspended this year, and then on tape this week, what happens? He doesn't on two different occasions. He is first on one one occasion. He was late getting to the spot. Remember that, Tim? And yeah, Ralph, Savage Val was just waving had to him over. over. Yeah. yeah, Savage was screaming, "Get over here, bro! You you literally you wanted to do this. Get your butt over here." So, um, yeah, that's that's a very very good assessment, um, Jacob. Back to what you said. Uh, you talking about man coverage? This is our receiver ratings versus man coverage this year. Romeo Dobbs, one fourteen point five. You hit on that, nailed it. Aaron Jones, another one. Why is that? Angle routes out of the backfield. I mean, it, you, you put a backer – when you play man coverage 
Nine times out of ten, you've got a backer covering that running back. Unless they choose to put a backer on a tight end and a safety on the running back, you've got to kind of pick your poison there. Whoever isn't playing deep center, that safety has got to choose, am I covering a tight end or am I covering a running back? When you get a linebacker on a running back, rewind back, guys. Go back and watch uh, week one, that angle route that Aaron Jones took to the house against the Bears. Those are the type of routes you can run. Aaron Jones is deadly against man coverage. Immediately, you go back. Remember the video of Aaron Jones waving at the Cowboys as he's scoring a touchdown? <laughs> like he's And he's had good games against the Cowboys. If, if there were fantasy football implications on this game for me, those are the two guys at the top of the list for me. It'd be Romeo Dobbs and Aaron Jones. And maybe you can pick Malik Heath up off the, the uh, scrap heap, although he's only got seven targets against man coverage. Another one, too, Tucker Kraft against man coverage, right? He's been able to beat man. The the two that really stand out here to me, though, is Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks. They drop down significantly. Still good good numbers, don't get me wrong. But Romeo Dobbs is the go-to guy against man coverage when it comes to Jordan Love. There's no two ways about that. So um, let's see what else we got here. I think we got us a super chat. Yeah, Hardy, the prophet, thank you so much for the super chat. He says, full faith in the Packers to win, especially if Don Wick, um, Jaden Speed, and Christian watch him have cleats in the ground simultaneously. Imagine Bo Melton on the field, too, like Jen pointed out yesterday and uh, Ryan Slip from Packernet Podcast pointed out. You get Bo Melton and Christian Watson on the field to get over that 4-3 speed. Woo! But appreciate the super chat, buddy. Um, we're at the 53-minute mark. Let's go around the horn one time here. Uh, any like Anything else you want to add to the conversation, Tim? Let's start with you. Anything else you want to hit on, Cover? Yeah, just real quick, let's shout out Packernet Podcast Network. Got the QR code up there, right? Uh, upper right hand corner of the of the screen. Um, shout out to uh, you know Ryan and JJ and Jake Shavank here in the chat joining us today. Uh, make sure you click on that or scan it, whatever it's called, and uh, it'll take you right to Packernet. You can get all the content over there. Um, really appreciate what uh, the guys are doing over there. So uh, make sure you support and uh, click that like button too, real quick while you're here. Definitely. And before we go to Jacob, Jacob sent me a video this morning. I'm going to play. This is some Bears fans just kind of coming, coming back down to earth. Reality. This was after the after the game on Sunday, right, Jacob? That's kind of the vibe I got. Like they were driving back home. So yeah. uh, we'll get your your final thoughts here, Jacob, and anything you want to add to the conversation before we wrap up. But first, here's the video he sent me. Enjoy this, guys. Enjoy. We don't do this often on this show. I want this to be an X's and O's show, us learning the game. But every now and again, you do got to take a second and laugh at the Bears. I think the differences in the stadium is like a little synopsis of everything between these two franchises. Their stadium's awesome, ours sucks. Theirs takes, you know, 15 minutes to walk out of there, get to the highway, on your way home, Bears takes three hours. And they got a quarterback, we don't. It, it's They do everything a little bit better than us, which is why they've been better than us for 30 years give or take a few weird moments. This is just where I get the dark thoughts where like nothing matters, you know, like throw everything out. I, I don't, like I lose faith in everyone. Like I want everyone to go. I just like, I, it's just continuously losing to this team is is deflating. God, I love it. One more. Still suck. We got one more. This is Big Cat. From Barstool Sports. Oh, and he's great. the biggest Bear fan ever. Jacob sent this one over too. Here we go. Back to the same spot where the Bears are going to suck all year. Like, the Bears are going to suck this year. It's over. The Justin Fields era? It's over. He's not the guy. It, it's, it's bad. Nothing looks good, and every problem that I knew in the back of my head was there. This is the evolution of the season. The yeah. weeks are cut off. But this is early in the season. You'll see it evolve. Has jumped up. You saw week one, I was very depressed. Week two, I was angry. Now it's, I'm I'm apathy zone because they are bad. And Matt Eberflus is 100% not the coach. It should be fired. He loses every game like this. Matt Eberflus has done an incredible job with his defense. <laughs> the defense has been incredible. It has. The Bears are back. I'd say you guys could mathematically make the playoffs. So mathematics. I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but I'm totally going to get ahead of myself. The Browns are going to be a very tough game, but if the Bears can somehow win next week, it's over. It's over. Could get back over. No, it's over. I'm being on. I'm being honest. I'm being realistic. I don't want to play this game. This was the game they had to win. If they won this game, I would have my hopes all the way up. They did not. It makes me realize getting your hopes up 
for your sports teams is the dumbest thing you could possibly do <laughs> as a human being. There's no reason for it. Nothing ever good happens out of it. There's just nothing on the other side. The Bears are, are building something. <laughs> I don't care what people say. I know people are going to trash me. The Bears are building yeah. something. They're, all, they're basically identical to what the Lions did last year. In the fact that they <laughs> that was a funny laugh by Hank. I'm not laughing That's at your statement. See, this I'm, is I'm the problem is Hank. the people like you, they're your idiots. I got some advice for y'all. Take two weeks off, then quit. <laughs> there you go, boys. Jacob. Phenomenal. Everybody give Jacob a round of applause for right. hey. hey, yeah, yeah, we gotta give uh we gotta give our fellow bear fans here our, our respected rivals one of these on the season. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jacob, you have the floor, sir. What do you got? Uh, no, man. I mean, honestly, it's uh, <laughs> it felt a little like a low blow, but uh, they even said it in the chat here. Doug saying he, he's starting to appreciate Big Cat because at least he's honest. Like he goes, he goes up and down with the season, but right. you know, it um, it is definitely one of those. If you could just fast forward and show that clip to every Bears fan at the beginning of the season, I bet you they'd all be like, yeah, that's. We know that's going to happen. We'll just accept it. They still talk a lot of smack, but um, I think they've started to understand and just realize that it's just a lost cause. There's nothing they can do. The whole thing, too, I love that first or second video where the guy, it is a big deal not being able to leave Soldier Field or in Chicago. You can't get out of there. If you drink a beer and you want to try to leave, you're peeing in your car, all right? I Trust me. <laughs> you're peeing in a bottle or you're pulling over on the side of the road. I mean, it's just, it's it's not built for success or happiness at all. It's just, it's kind of sad. And maybe we don't have to touch on it today. Maybe save that uh, conspiracy track for tomorrow. But I think we have to talk about Rodgers and McAfee, right? At some point. Roger, would you say Rodgers and McAfee? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. It's hilarious. I'll, listen, I'll say my piece on that, and then we'll go to Carly. Um, the people who are putting the clickbait stuff out there going, Rodgers Rogers is basically canceled. Ro- or uh, McAfee's canceled Rodgers. Those are false headlines. It's the end of the season. Every year he does this. Mm-hmm. Next year when Rodgers comes back, I'm going to tell you the headline right now. It'll be McAfee lied to his viewers and said Rodgers would never be back on. Guaranteed. Anyway, um, it's interesting. They're, listen, do I agree with everything Rodgers says? No. Um, but McAfee, I've lost a lot of respect for him, boys. I'm just saying. I love the guy. I love what they had on YouTube. But since he went to ESPN, you can see Only thoughts. They're, they're doing this. They're doing this to him, and he's just dancing for him. And it's like, you notice they don't play the intro like they used to. This bothers me. The intro used to be, I got to build my team, build my crew, build my audience, and no one could tell me what to do, basically, is what he's saying. You notice they cut that out of the intro now? Mm. Just saying. Carly, what you got for us? <clears throat> you may be muted, Carly. Sorry. So, yeah, and I was walking around trying to find a place with better service because I was worried that it was, it was freaking up, but – just to jump on that video that Jacob shared. So my, I had family at this last Packers bears game and uh, they were saying how there were some bears fans in front of them and, you know, Packer fans all around them. And so some of the Packer fans were starting up with the chant bears still suck. Bears still suck. And I guess the bears fans in front of them turned around and said, yes, we know. Yes, we know. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Hey, own it, man. You got to own it. Right? Like, come on. Um, embrace <laughs> your history, embrace your tradition. Uh, I don't know, man. They, the players, I didn't get into it with too many bear fans early in the week. Now they were obnoxious in the off season and I'm going to give you guys a spoiler. They'll be obnoxious this week, this off season too. They'll be right back in the, Oh yeah, we've got them this year. They, <laughs> wow. Um, but the whole, the players talking trash this week was my favorite part, man. Like, they they gave them so much ammo, so much ammo. I'm going to try to share this real quick if I can. I'm going to go to my page. I posted a video of Quay Walker, and we may get hit with a copyright, and I don't even care because I believe it's worth it. I zoomed in on Quay on this spy play. This is when they played the mug spy, I believe. Let me see. Yeah, this was yeah, this was the mug spy. So they he mugged the B-gap and then played spy, essentially. But uh, this right here was phenomenal let me get it pulled up real quick here as i forget how to operate everything um here we go i want you to watch him talk to justin fields if you guys will confirm that you can see this for me we good right yep yep. all right right, here we go watch him i'm gonna go full screen watch quay on this play he's gonna mug he's mugging the b 
mugs, drops, right? See him spy, spy, spy. Right here, watch. Look at him talking to him. <laughs> talking to him, right? Now watch this. He gets up, it talks to him, takes a mouthpiece out and talks to him again, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. Watch it again. Bang. Well, what's up, boy? Y'all ain't talking now. <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> Wouldn't have it any other way, man. Quay had arguably, I don't want to say his best game as a Packer, but a top three game as a Packer. And let's hope he let's if that Quay shows up this week, Dak might be in a little bit of trouble. You know? Nope. Absolutely. So. All right. Anybody got, got anything else as we wrap this big bear up? No, we're good. <gasps> Took it down a to- Hey, that's a good way to end it right there. Let's give a special shout out real quick. Let me uh let me just check the chat. All right, cool. Um, special shout out to Hardy the Prophet. Appreciate the super chat, buddy. Thank you so much. Also, want to give a special shout out to all of the YouTube members of the PTA Posse. We're going to be giving away an autographed James Lofton card uh, this Sunday during the post game show. So, uh, if you guys are interested in becoming a YouTube member, make sure you do it before Saturday at midnight. All you got to do is click on our homepage here on YouTube, click join, and you can it'll say join group. You can join the group, and when you do that. Um, we put you into drawings moving forward um, it, as long as you're an active YouTube member that week. And we'll put your name on the wheel and spin it this Sunday after the Packers Cowboys post or during the Packers Cowboys uh, post game show. And um, yeah, we're going to be giving away that autographed piece of memorabilia. Still looking for Beard Don, Dan Cott. Haven't heard from those two. We heard from Romero. So if we don't hear from Beard Don or Dan Cott, and Romero still hasn't emailed me. So Romero, when you hear this, email me, buddy. Um, we got to do it in that order, though. If Beard Don speaks up, he's going to get the autographed David Bakhtiari jersey we just uh, spun for. If we don't hear from Beard Don and Dan Cott speaks up, he'll get it. And if Dan Cott don't speak up and Romero emails me, Romero will get it. So we always spend it three times for that very reason right there. But with that being said, guys, we're going to get out of here. Again, thank you all for the super chat. Got some snow flying at Lambeau Field this morning. I know Tim's not happy about that, but he's going to get out there and do a little shoveling, ain't you, Tim? Yeah, you know, got to get it before it freezes. Got to. It's the only way to do it, man. You, you wait till it freezes, you're done, ain't you, Jacob? Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, we're out of here, gang. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us. I want to thank Carly, Jacob, Tim. You guys were awesome this morning. This was a fun show. It flew by. Hour and three minutes. Look at us not going too far over either. So good stuff there. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go, Pat, go. Go, Pat, go.